0: Hello, friends, and welcome to Episode 8 of the Looking at Stamps podcast. Today, I continue my interview with Eric Blomquist. Today, we talk about beer, pictorial postmarks, postcrossing, and the year of the rat, first day of issue postmark. So, here we go. Okay, great. So, here we go. First question, favorite alcoholic beverage?
1: It's a good one. I um, I I like different forms of all of them. I guess lately I've been more of a, a beer person.
0: And do you have a favorite beer?
1: Um, uh, oh, there's so many great ones. Really or like type Grimberg. of beer, even. I, I like Grimbergen Triple. Grimbergen Triple, which is a, an Abbey Ale from from Belgium, but I don't really think that very often. That's a
0: that's a like, very weedy beer, right?
1: Um, it's very um, it's very sweet. It's
0: okay. It's, oh, it's okay. Very strong. Yeah, uh, I'm a like, pilsner, pilsner person. I like pilsners, okay. but
1: and I like the porters and darks and the, the the stouts and the dark beers too.
0: Yeah, I'm. I i do not like eating my beer, so <laughs> yeah. So, uh, like the Guinness and those kind of things are a little too too thick for me. But I, I get it. Uh, I do want to go to Ireland and have a a real Guinness though. That is on and my they, bucket list.
1: I've been enjoying the Sam Smith um, organic chocolate stout, which is very chocolatey.
0: Oh, I'll some have beer, to try that maybe one. Some
1: beer purists might not like it that much for that reason, but uh, but I like the combination.
0: Okay, great. If you could visit anywhere in the world, where would you go?
1: Oh, another great question. I think I'd love to go. I'd love to go to the um, the Baltic Sea. I, I, we've talked. I talked to my wife about we'd be doing a Baltic cruise someday because there's so many places in that area where I've never visited and would like to see, like. Uh, Finland, uh, St. Petersburg, uh, uh, Denmark—all the countries along, around there.
0: Okay, uh, I've always wanted to go to Scandinavia as well. You know, Sweden, you know, Finland—that area. That's one one of the parts of the world that I haven't been fortunate enough to visit yet. But that's uh, definitely on my bucket list as well. Uh, what job would you be terrible at?
1: <laughs> There's so many. I was at the. Uh, I was getting a filling a growler with beer yesterday for we had uh, beer with our dinner, and the bartender was doing an amazing job. But he was doing so many things at once. I was thinking I, I would be I would be terrible at that. The combination of multitasking to to an extreme degree and being very sociable with everybody at the same time.
0: It, it does take quite a person to do that. I, I'm with you. Uh, I, I don't know if I could go back to my restaurant uh, restaurant days of being a server. Um, or a bartender, you know, just, you know, food I could do, but bar, there's just so much knowledge you have to have as a bartender, uh, that I just couldn't do it.
1: Um, yeah, and someone was asking you, him about a, a mixed drink for a diabetic person, and, and just try, going through all of the iterations of, you know, how much sugar is in each thing, and I, it's just, yeah, so much, so much background information you need.
0: Yeah, I would be horrible as a sommelier, though. Uh, wine's just not my thing, and there's, like just like stamps there's so much to know about wine that i would just be absolutely horrible at it mm. what skill would you like to master
1: Ooh, i would you know i would love to be able to speak a foreign language fluently um i've had french and spanish in my background but i've never um never been i've never been in a different country long enough to really be immersed and uh and get good at something
0: what what language would you choose to, to learn?
1: That's another tough one. I get I've exchanged postcards with so many uh so many people in Russia now. It would be great to know Russian, uh German, um Swedish. That's my family history. But um I guess I would have to probably narrow myself down I have probably the most realistic chance of learning French or Spanish, but they're so so many it would be hard to choose I guess.
0: Yeah. I've tried Spanish myself and and I just I think I get frustrated because I know English so well and I can communicate so well in English that I get frustrated that I can't uh uh converse equally as well in a foreign language. It's just yeah. That's that's my skill as well. I would love to be able to be adept at languages.
1: That actually ties in with the way I was thinking about stamps lately because you know I was thinking how I love using a variety of stamps and how we in this country are so lucky that we can, you know, we have a vast uh, assortment of stamps from over 100 years we could theoretically use on our correspondence, and it's like having a vocabulary of stamps. It's like you can express yourself in different ways. Um, yeah, different that's,
0: that's absolutely a great point and one we're going to get to in just a minute because I do want to talk to you about how you choose your stamps for your postcards. Um, but one last lightning round question, and that is cats. Dogs or others?
1: You know, I like both cats and dogs, but I have to say I, it's more of a spectrum, right? It's not like a binary thing, and so I'd probably like eighty percent cat. We have
0: two. Do you cats. have any pets?
1: Yeah, we have two cats here, and so I, I enjoy spending time with them a lot.
0: And what what type of cats are they? Are they uh, mixes or they breeds or?
1: They're mixes. One's I guess mostly sort of tiger cat. Another one's the other one's uh, calico. Sort of, or, or sort of, a, um, actually, sort of a tortoise tortoisey colors. A little black, misty black, some, like, pumpkin color and white in there, too.
0: That sounds great. I, I'd love to have a Siamese. That'd be my cat of choice. I'm a cat per- I'm an animal person, period, but I would love to have a, a, a Siamese. So tell us about your post, uh, post-crossing adventures. Do you enjoy post-crossing? Uh, how many, is that primarily what you send, uh, send out, or do you have... Uh, pen pals and and uh, uh, people that you send mail to. Uh,
1: both, yeah. I I used to. Um, I really enjoy postcrossing a lot. I love the random aspect of it, and uh, sort of learning about a new person and reading their profile and thinking of what might be a good a good match for them. Um, but at the, and at the same time, I I enjoy the postcrossing forum. They have all the tags where you can um you have different subject areas or or uh types of card or types of message where you could um uh tag the last person and and um get a similar themed card from somebody else afterwards, and then yeah, I also have uh regular pen pals I like to correspond with um I think it was a a record yesterday I got five cards and all of them were from the United States. I don't think that had ever happened before <laughs> that was that was kind of kind of cool too
0: what um, what are your most popular countries to send to on post crossing. Have you done those demographics?
1: Well, I could, it, it varies depending on how you set up your your um account because I used to send to a wider variety of countries, but then I decided to check that box in your profile that says you'd be willing to send to the same countries over and over. And I've I've decided to do that at least for a while to make it Easier for the algorithm to send everybody postcards. And so when I do that, I end up getting mostly Russian and German addresses. So it doesn't affect the countries that you receive from, it just affects the ones that you send to. It has you send to the more popular countries so that there's a, a better balance of cards circulating.
0: Yeah, I, those are my t- top three countries are uh, just similar to yours. Uh, the top one is Russia. The second is Germany, and the third is China. Mm-hmm. And uh, for us, the frustrating thing about that is that it takes so long for our mail to get to those destinations, with the exception of maybe Germany. Germany is usually very quick. Uh, but the other ones, you're just waiting forever for them to post it so you can send another postcard.
1: Yeah, that was especially a factor when I started post-crossing just over seven years ago for those first five cards. You're really waiting for the people to get them so that you're allowed to send more. <laughs>
0: And and how many are you allowed to send at one time right now?
1: Uh, I've lost track because I don't I don't I'm always I've been near the bottom of my I only have like I think 5 or 6 traveling now, but I think I could have somewhere in the 20s.
0: Okay. Um, I'm I'm up to 17 at a time. Okay. So yeah, but I'm with you. I just you know, and I tend to do them in groups of 5, you know, so that I'll wait until I have 5 postcards to send before I will click the box to get the addresses. So I could probably be a lot more, a lot faster with my sending if if I didn't do that because you and I both have several people or many people that we can send stamps to in the interim. So we're never at a loss of of cards to send to people.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really the greatest gift I felt about postcrossing starting. It was like, oh, I, I've been you know I've been gifted with an address of a person who would like to receive a postcard. That was that's the real excitement of it, I, I think, almost as much or maybe as much as actually receiving the cards from other
0: people. I I agree. And, I'm, you know, you and I are very similar in this and in a lot of things in terms of the way we do stamps and and, and uh, postcards is that, to me, the enjoyment is is trying to match a profile or to, to send something that someone wants to receive. And, and you and I both have a lot more resources than many. Uh, at our disposal to to choose from in terms of either postcards and or stamps.
1: Yeah, and I think that's it's one thing. I mean, it feels great to send somebody a card that that they um, say they like. But then, yeah, taking it to the next level every once in a while and sending them a card that they didn't know about that they would like a card they didn't know they needed. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I never thought thought about that. Uh, I usually just max the profile, and, and the ones that you know I get frustrated with are the ones that have just empty profiles, and I'm just like,
1: mm.
0: and and so then it comes to the situation like like you said, is just that, well, let me send something that I think that they might enjoy, but I do have to, you know, I do have to confess that on those, I'm less likely to send out my best postcards or my best stamps and that's when I tend to will tend to use the uh global the global forever stamps or those kind of stamps that are the my least popular is for those particular people who haven't filled out a profile and that that's my that's my dirty secret you know but uh,
1: <laughs> a lot of times for those people I'll just take um you know a, a big letter card of the state or the city because I feel like those are cards that most people like and it's not like they're really expensive and it's not like I'm putting a lot of thought into it. So.
0: Well, that's a good idea as well. Maybe I'll start thinking about that as well. How many postcards do you anticipate or estimate that you have in your collection?
1: Ooh, I'm not sure. I think um, probably uh, probably six or 7,000. Yeah. Been very, the last couple of years, um, I've been scanning in all the cards that I receive. And during this time, I've also been going back and catching up with the years before I I had this database program. And so now I've got, like, almost 3,000 cards in the system. So I can, like, I can type Russ, and I'll see at a glance all of the cards that I received from you. and or I could type, you know, map and get all of the map cards. It's, and it's been really helpful being able to look at the cards like that and uh, and slowly... It'll take me a long time, but eventually I hope to have them all scanned in so that I'll I'll have a good sense of of how many I have.
0: No, that that's that's smart. And I think one of the things, you know, one of my stock questions is what advice would you give to someone interested in stamp collecting and and um that's something I wish I had done uh in the past when I first started was to be much more organized uh, in the beginning as opposed towards the end and having to go back and retract, uh, you know, retrace some of the steps that you've taken. And I think if I had to all do it all over again, I would have done exactly that when I started with postcards just to scan them from the beginning. Uh, because as you know, once, once you're in the realm of it all, uh, to go back and to recreate all of, all of that from scratch uh, is a lot more difficult.
1: Yeah, it it takes a little bit of detective work because I base the name, the file name of each card on the date that I received it. And so I I go back and I'll check my – well, the post-crossing site is handy that way because for those cards, it's recorded on the website when I received them or registered them. And then for other cards like swaps, I'll check my email or my old uh, post-crossing messages or, or Facebook or Instagram or something.
0: And do you scan uh, all your postcards and then post them uh, on Postcrossing as well?
1: I haven't been as good about that. I, I I have I've scanned them all just for my my own database, but I don't have I haven't scanned them all. I haven't uploaded them all to the uh, to the website. I don't really think about my postcard wall that much. Um, so uh, uh,
0: so yeah, I'm the same with you as well. I mean, it, it to organize that for myself would be one thing, but uh, you know to do it just takes that much, much more effort. And, and to me, it takes away some of the fun of the anonymity uh, and the randomness of, of post-crossing. Um,
1: and I don't mind receiving duplicates from people. I mean, if I get the same, you know, the same map card or the same view card, as long as it doesn't have the exact same stance and the exact same message on it, it, it doesn't really matter to me. If I have
0: well, yeah, you know, exactly. And, you know, that's something, a point that we mentioned just previously is that to you and I, the, the image is, is the least the least important part of the postcard. So I'm with you. Uh, you know, if the stamps aren't duplicated and the message isn't duplicated, I don't mind receiving the same postcard. Uh, one of the things I did want to talk to you about is, let's talk about your stamps. How how many do you have? Uh, do you think, or, or do you have something that are, some that are more popular than others in your collection? Uh, so tell us a little bit about your actual collection of stamps.
1: I probably have a few thousand. Um, I have them in three main places. I have a like an old um, winery, a wooden winery carton. I guess my parents had gotten it when we visited California. So a lot of stuff's in, in there, including my I have two stamp albums in there, my international and U.S. albums from when I was back in in high school. I have like a, a little sort of briefcase thing with some other stamps, mostly used stamps. And I have like a, for new stamps that I'm using on my postcards now, I have a big, sort of a bin. It's kind of shaped like an accordion folder and the stamps are all in in there in manila envelopes uh, labeled with, by denomination. So I have like the one cent stamps in the front and the Forevers and more in the back. Um, And then I have a bunch of stamps on my desk (laughs) that are piled up and I need to put in the, back in the folder sometime. Um, so it's a, it's a wide variety of stamps, and I, I, I don't really. I just rescued the the little briefcase and wine crate from the farthest reaches of my closet yesterday at great risk of personal injury just so I'd have them have them at hand again. Uh, but a lot of times I'll I'll raid my my stamp album from you know the early '80s for if I, if there's a stamp I especially want for a postcard. I'll just take it out of the album and put it on a postcard.
0: Now these are, are mint stamps that you're you you put in the in the album or are these youth stamps?
1: Um mint ones to use now. I, I used to have those little um those, you know, those little plastic sleeves that had like the adhesive on the back. If you right. want to put a hinge on it. I, I have some of those for my stamps that I in the in the eighties that I, I liked. It's so funny looking back though because I think of how excited I was when new stamps came out and how how little they're worth now. It's like you, you can get all of those stamps for like, you know, maybe three quarters of the face value. It's sort of the opposite of the way you expect the story to be. You expect to like not prize something in your youth and then find out 50 years later that, oh, this is worth a fortune. But with stamps, it's like I, I treasured so many of these things as a child and as a as a teenager and and now there's like no actual economic value to them at all
0: and it it is a shame and I remember that sense of wonder as well uh when I first started uh, I came at it from a different perspective in that i it began in earnest when I was in the wedding industry and was uh curating stamps for for brides to use on the, on their stationery and and so, but I, rem, I can remember particular stamps. So, with particular brides and, and the the endeavor or the effort to get a particular set or sheet or pane of stamps, uh, do you still purchase stamps, or do you have enough stamps now that you don't need to find, uh, purchase new stamps as they come out?
1: Well, if there's, um, I don't get all of the new stamps, but, but usually I'll get at least one sheet of ones that I like. Like, I mean, I feel like there have been a lot of good new stamps the last few years. And it's also interesting that how hard it is to get some stamps from, you know, five or ten years ago. They're exorbitantly expensive, whereas ones from 50 years ago are really cheap.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and nobody wants them, and they have a hard time getting rid of them. And I'm just like, really? I mean, stamps are stamps in my book.
1: (laughs) And so are you – am I allowed to ask questions too? Absolutely,
0: absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely.
1: I, so you you mentioned the licking versus the self-sticking stamps, and and liking the um, the licking stamps. They're so much easier to collect and to separate. And uh, I wonder if have you ever had? It seems like for a while in the '70s, I feel like I've a I've had a couple of stamps where the where the gum was flavored. Do you ever have that experience? Or do you know anything about that?
0: I haven't. I haven't come across in in my endeavors. I haven't come across that at all. Yeah,
1: there are so, uh, stamps stamps I've tried that it's been it's been almost like a mint, minty flavor to the to the gum on the back.
0: Huh. That's no. It's it's. I don't think that's probably anything that was done. Talk about a new type of stamp. I mean, goodness <laughs> gracious. You know, we could we could make a fortune off of these stamps that uh, you know that you lick uh, that have flavors on them. Um, I I just think that that may not have been done on purpose. It may have been done through the printing process and whatever printing uh, company actually printed that particular stamp that year. Um, That, um, I mean, now that you think about it, I I do recall different, I wouldn't call them flavors, but different tastes of, of the glue on the back. Uh, but i it never registered – because some of them are more sour to me than and I thought that was just from the age of the stamp that i 'm using you know as as they age, they become a little bit more bitter to me um but I still lick my stamps as opposed to using a sponge uh, yeah, I Yeah, I do
1: that too. I have this feeling that you know in the in the post human world, you know eventually aliens will come to visit and they 'll discover this old correspondence. Then they'll use the um, they'll be able to use the DNA from our stamps to create a, you know a new race of human snail mailers who will like repopulate the, the earth.
0: Oh, we, we the way the way we're going with our earth, you know, that may be necessary. So you know, there may be many yous and many me's throughout the world. So, Maybe will have
1: in a few million million years.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, oh that's funny. That just that just I you can't realize how much that's making me smile at the moment. But um uh, what uh do you have a favorite stamp?
1: You know I had to, I was thinking about that and and if I really like that Sleepy Hollow Legend of Sleepy Hollow yeah. stamp from the early 70s. That that it's black, blue and I guess
0: an orange color. Orange, yeah yeah i it's a it's a favorite of mine I know that I, I didn't realize that you would pick that one, but I had an idea that that would be one of your favorite stamps uh It is such a striking and graphically bold image uh and the and that deep that blue is so saturated and i don't think i've seen other than lantern press postcards i don't think that i've seen that seen that saturated blue anywhere else uh in any of my stamps that i have
1: yeah mention i i saw you mention that on um on uh, Frank's postcardist uh, lantern press card that he showed us just recently, I guess, on in- Instagram. That was a really, really nice card with a beautiful blue
0: in it. I think that was a Pennsylvania stamp, I think, maybe, a postcard, I think. Or it was one of his travels, but I want to say either Ohio or Pennsylvania. I
1: um, no, I think it might have been Connecticut actually exploring. Oh, was
0: it? Okay. When... Yeah, but it, it, it's they have that that saturated blue that is just a striking blue that... Uh, and like i said i haven't seen it anywhere else on stamps that i've gotten maybe the boston tea party uh say tenant stamp Ooh, yeah. set maybe yeah. uh but uh but that is that is a favorite and that's a particular favorite one of mine not just for halloween but i have actually submitted to the uh the postage committee to do a commemorative of uh, washington irvin uh in 2023 which is i think the 150th anniversary of his birth or death or one of those uh, ceremonies. So um, I've actually submitted a uh, a stamp for review, a stamp design for review, and we'll see if that gets picked up or not. But the only thing I have going against, one of the things I have going against me is that uh, they do have a Washington Irving stamp already. I think it's like a three-cent stamp. uh, So they may not want to do another one, but, but I'm hoping to add him to the literary arts Canon of uh, postage stamps.
1: One thing that I'm hoping that they'll do is now that we're into the um, 2020s, we'll be coming up on the 100th anniversary of lots of early um, great silent movies. And there were some silent movie personalities and early comedian stamps, but they're all those um, sort of comic style, cartoon style ones. And I've always felt that the silent film uh, legends really deserve like better stamps. And, and like black and white still movie stills, something like that, because that was i mean obviously they their voices weren't heard in their work, so their images are kind of that, all that they had and, and for the for them to be commemorated with sort of these stick drawings that seemed kind of kind of a shame
0: well, I think that was part of of the like the Hirschfeld type of 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 drawing that that was popular at the time when those stamps came out, but I agree with you, I think uh like Lillian Lillian Hellman, Gelman, I think, or something, you know, or Mary Pickwick, or Pickford, Pickford or yeah, glorious yeah.
1: Swanson, all of them.
0: Yeah, and even a, tra- a nice Charlie Chaplin uh, little tramp stamp would be beautiful as well. No, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. And just that uh, uh, to have those line drawings, I think, uh, it may be a disservice. Absolutely, and and but there, and then it's that old daguerreotype photo that could be adapted to. Uh, to stamp um, printing that I think would be absolutely absolutely gorgeous. I think you're absolutely right on that. I think that's spot on. Uh, What what stamps would you like to collect that Um, you don't already have?
1: I don't know. I think that I've always been a little bit more interested in the pictorial postmarks as far as collecting those. But if I had to pick a, a type of stamp, I'd probably collect famous writers or artists or maybe musicians. And I think I'd, I'd go international and, and just make it a topical collection from different countries because I've always sort of enjoyed the, uh, the geography aspect of it.
0: No, I think that's a great idea as well. You know, we have the uh, um, musical icon series already, and we have the um, the literary arts series already in U.S. postage stamps. But to get an international music, a world music type of a stamp set I think would be very intriguing as well if of US stamps based upon US design stamps based upon our image and then like you said actual different countries highlighting their own musicians that I think would be absolutely intriguing as well. Like like a, a Fela stamp uh, for Afro Afro Caribbean jazz uh made in the United States would be great. Um
1: I love that um that joint US uh, France issue,
0: um, Edith Piaf. Oh, I haven't seen that one. I'll have to definitely look that one up. But absolutely, and uh, I think that those those are great ideas as well. Um, I guess My, I mean we've I've already kept you on for an hour. I just knew this was going to be so oh, yeah. long it's so <laughs> so interesting. So let's just close out and just with the final uh, I uh, final question is. What advice would you give to someone that uh, is interested in collecting stamps or a budding philatelist? Uh, what, what what hints and and uh, words of wisdom would you impart uh, on those people?
1: Well, I, like, I like the ones that I think you've given before, as far as um, uh, sort of maintaining a focus and and ta- tackling a specific area um, and um, doing research. But I, I think for me, it, I like to keep it social. And, like, my main interest now is, you know, the stamps on postcards and having the message and all of that. Um, I realized, I've, I was remembering back in the 70s, my grandmother was knew that I was starting to collect stamps, and so she went through all of the um, letters from her brothers during World War II and uh, cut all of the stamps off of the envelopes and gave them to me. And the stamps, of course, are, are the ones everybody was using in the – the airmail stamps that are really common and not really don't really have any kind of value that way. I'm thinking how much more I would prefer to have the letters than than the stamps now it's kind of sad and so now I, I like to have stamps as part of the social interaction or you know part of the correspondence and keep them on there. That's one reason I prefer postcards over letters. I have like you know one object with the stamp and the, the personal um connection.
0: Yeah, I just uh, purchased recently, within the last year, uh, someone's um, covers. They had collected covers. And uh, I just ha- now have had time to buy uh, protective sheets to put them in and start organizing them. And, and it's very sim- I'm very fortunate that the person that was collecting these had has them from over, I would say, 70-year period. And so to see some of these World War I envelopes uh, with those stamps and and the postmarks of of naval ships and and uh, censored a censored stamp on one of them that shows that you know it was it was viewed during World War II uh, and to make sure that the contents didn't you know have any information that that shouldn't have been sent out uh, but uh, but just reminiscing in history or trying to figure out where this particular letter came from and this postmark uh, it, it just you know, it's just fascinating to me, and, and I'm with you. It's just that uh, to be able to have that information and to enjoy that information uh, as, as well. Do you remember? Here's the second last question. Do you, do you remember when you first started getting in, in, into the postmarks and how that came about, and the special cachets even uh, of of the stamps?
1: I think I started. For some reason, I started doing it in um, probably around 1980, and um, I was getting. Uh, or I think maybe my parents had gotten me McKeel's Stamp News. It's like this philately newsletter that came out every every week or two, and um, they always used to list the special cancellations in there. And so I would steal stamps from my parents and put them on envelopes and send them off to these other towns and uh, wait for them to come back. And sometimes, as, as, it, as it does now, sometimes it would be like a week. Sometimes it would take maybe half a year <laughs> for the for the cover to come back. And, um, it was all, and I never saw pictures of them beforehand, so it was- this kind of uh excitement of waiting to to get that in the mail and seeing what the the commemorative postmark looked like, and you know learning a little bit about the town or or whatever um and now it's just so much easier. I feel like we're privileged to live in this sort of weird uh best of both worlds time when we have the internet at our disposal. Plus the snail mail, and so I can get the U.S. um bulletin every two weeks, where they list all of the special postmarks and send off to those cities, and, and get cards or um, covers or whatever back again.
0: Did you send one out for uh, for the Year of the Rat stamp, by chance?
1: I did. For that one, I sent off. I got some. I made some Year of the Rat cards on. And I had the stamp and sent off for the regular black and white um, first day cancellation for maybe like five or six of them.
0: And have you gotten them back yet, or have you have your recipients I haven't gotten received them, them, them? Back yet? So okay, I that did... that's very heartening for me because <laughs> I did a very a very special screen print of my own design a postcard, and I sent those out and and I'm like. What's taking so long? I'm, I'm just afraid that they they've lost the mail. So I am enheartened you know, in, in by uh, by you haven't received yours yet either.
1: They give you like 120 days to send off for the postmark, and I, you know I think what they do a lot of times is that they just won't fulfill the request until the end of the period. Then they'll suddenly like do them all and send them off at once. So I found that happens. And it's happened a couple of times when I've sent off relatively early for a first day postmark and then had to wait a couple of months.
0: Okay, well that I didn't know that. So, uh I I am once again grinning from ear to ear knowing that uh, the special effort I put into those st- that uh those postcards uh, hasn't been lost yet. So, uh and I thank you for that because that was the very first one that I've sent out to get done. Um and so and I can thank you and Frank for for the catalyst for being the catalyst for those for that idea. And so um and I would never really have thought about those special cancellations uh if it hadn't been for for your efforts as well uh as well as Franks but uh, uh you were the very first person to bring that to light to me um and and the ability to to request those and not just from the USPS uh for new issues but for these city special cancellations for you know special occasions like the holidays and things like that so i i, I, think I do about
1: the- what I like about the other the other ones with the city is that you can use any stamps you want and just come up with different combinations of of, of whatever subject or, or something that you're going
0: for. Yeah, because then it's just about the cancellation and, and the post the special postmark, and so you can even do double and triple messages uh, with your your stamps and and the way that you place them and where you place them in in the actual cancellation as well. Well, Eric, I've kept you on the phone for over an hour, which to me is, is phenomenal because I'm not a phone person, and to keep me on the phone for this length of time <laughs> is a tribute to you and what you have to say. So I def- I, I'm definitely,
1: i not either, so so we're both in that boat.
0: But I just wanted to thank you for taking the time out on your Saturday morning. I know it's your postcard morning, and I interrupted the, the midst of your postcard writing, so I thank you for that. And thank so you So anybody listening. who doesn't get a postcard this week can blame you. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I take full responsibility.
1: Okay.
0: So, Eric, once again, thank you so, so much for being on the podcast. And it was an absolute pleasure. And I knew it was going to go fast. And, and I think we may end up doing an episode one and an episode two. We have so much material. So thank you once again so, so much. Great, thank you. Have a great day and have a great weekend.
1: You too. Bye. Okay,
0: bye-bye. And that is all the time we have for this week's episode. Just to let you know, Eric received his Year of the Rat cancellations in the afternoon after we finished taping. My recipients started receiving them this past week. Feel free to follow Eric on Instagram, and be sure to look for a Saturday morning postcard with stamps giveaway. As always, thanks for listening, and please subscribe to this podcast and rate and review if you have a few moments. Please contact me if you have any questions or ideas for episodes or if you want to be included on a future episode. You can contact me on Instagram as Russ Romano, on YouTube by searching for Looking at Stamps or by sending an email to lookingatstamps at gmail.com. Next week, I hope to have a surprise for you. I'm planning on attending the third annual Love Letter Get Together for the Love Hearts Project. You can find out more about this project and event at loveheartsproject.com. Until next week, bye-bye.